look at the bag you saw over here, ladies. This episode of the Presser Wine Prince Lyric Podcast, we're diving headfirst into the deep end of the psychosexual pool that Prince provides for us on If I Was Your Girlfriend. And joining me again for this episode is Christy Norman. Welcome back to the show, Christy. Hi, Jason. It's great to be back. <laughs> Thanks for being here. I'm bringing in the big guns for this song, man. This is, <laughs> this is a pretty important song in Prince's discography, I think. And there's a lot to a lot to talk about in this one. Would you agree? Oh, I have some thoughts. <laughs> yep, yep. And actually, you know, I I recruited you for this episode um, specifically because I know that you and Josh, uh, your husband, that you do the Mountains of the Sea podcast with, covered Sign of the Times very extensively or over the past mm-hmm. almost year. About yes. the time the Sign of the Times Super Deluxe was released, so you covered primarily the album and all of the uh, extra discs that came along with the super deluxe edition yes. and so i remember listening to those episodes and um, when you guys were talking about if i was your girlfriend i i remember thinking to myself oh christy's got an interesting take on the song she would be a really value-added <laughs> guest when i get around to doing this and it just so happens that you know the the timing worked out that i was diving into the sign of the times album for my show um, earlier this year. And so yes. it wasn't that far removed from the time that you recorded your episode. So hopefully the ideas and thoughts you have on this song are still fresh enough in your mind that we can talk through them today. In this, oh, on this yes. I made, I made sure to prepare. So we're good. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, yeah, If I Was Your Girlfriend, it was the second single released from the Sign of the Times album. It didn't really make much of a commercial splash here in the United States. It fared a bit better in the, in Europe. I don't know if that's just because uh, the Europeans were a little more open to the idea of um, a man singing in a kind of an androgynous voice, mm-hmm. talking about being somebody's girlfriend. I think people kind of misinterpreted the song as some sort of homosexual fantasy, like a lesbian fantasy song, or Prince wishing that he was a girl. Right. Um, I think there was a lot of like misinterpretation of what the song's intention was and, you know, easy to do when you listen to it. Prince sings in his Camille voice, which is of course sped up in in a higher pitch than his normal singing voice and different than his falsetto as well. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a unique voice that he did for that Camille project that ended up getting scrapped. And then to say for a man to say, if I was your girlfriend, and if somebody's just looking at the title of the song and not really even listening to it, one can make or jump to some conclusions about what the song might be about. And Prince already had kind of an androgynous look to him at times, you know, with some of the the blouses and the... Yeah, uh, a little ambiguous in his sexuality. Yeah, and Exactly. And so yeah. if you weren't really paying that close of attention to his songs or his personal life, um, you know, one could... One could uh, suggest through the the title of the song that maybe this was Prince coming out, <laughs> even. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, a lot of things could have been going through people's minds at the time that the song was released. Well, and it's one of those songs, if you heard it in the car 
as you were driving down the road and you weren't paying that much of attention. You, all you hear is if I was your girlfriend and mm-hmm. you, it's really, it needs a little bit more attention paid to it. So I think for that reason, maybe it's not a great single choice No, because a, if you, yeah. if you can if you can misunderstand it so completely when you're driving in your car and hear it on the radio, then it's not a good single choice. It really needs at least a couple of listens and a couple of times of paying attention to the lyrics to really understand what's going on here. So Mm -hmm. I'd have made a different suggestion, but yeah, I I agree. And I think at least the, the buying public in the United States and the radio programmers um, spoke loudly. Their response to the song was, lukewarm at best mm-hmm. um yeah. i mean it, it did okay on the r&b charts went to number 12 which is okay it's not great showing for prince i mean prince was usually standard top 10 uh, on the r&b charts throughout the 80s and so for the song did not even quite make it to the top 10 but 12 is good 12 is good <laughs> i think i think the song got some radio play on in um other markets but but pop radio wasn't feeling it. Pop radio no. wasn't feeling it at all, and uh, neither was MTV. There wasn't a music video, so right. that doesn't that doesn't help things, help um, mainstream crossover success if you don't have a music video in the eighties. And it's lack kind of, radio of a shame because it was backed with Shockadelica, which I think at that time sometimes B sides got some play, and you know I think Shockadelica would have been if it had been the B side to a different song may have bumped it. If it had gotten on the radio a little bit more. Sure. Kind of like yeah. in the way erotic city became yeah. kind of a crossover hit, even though it wasn't a single mm-hmm. it was a flip side to let's go crazy. Yeah. 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 I can see that. Shockadelic is a fun song. I know a lot of people that really, really enjoy that one. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. the first single that got a, a CD release of any kind. Oh, fun fact. Yeah, it was uh, not a commercial release that went to Alphabet Street the following year, but there, the promotional release for the single was on CD, and it was the first print single that was on CD of any kind with any sort of release, which is cool. fun. Yeah. yeah, interesting that they chose this one and not like Sign of the Times, the song before. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yep. Um, so personally though, I, you know, we're talking about 34 years later, 34 years after its release, um, the song has stood the test of time, I think in terms of, you know, top print singles or even just top songs, print songs in general, a lot of people cite it as their favorite song on the album. I think it's mine. I mean, it just changes so frequently that it's really hard to just say, yes, definitively, this is my favorite song on side of the times. Because there's just so many great songs and you could I could have a different favorite song. But if I was backed into a corner and somebody said, you have to pick a favorite song off Sign of the Times and you need to make it a song that you think will still be one of your favorite songs forever. Mm-hmm. I might I might say if I was your girlfriend. And, <gasps> and it's really because of the lyrics and, and, and the story that he's telling here and uh, what. Of course, I want to get into some of the darker elements of the song or maybe some of the problematic aspects of the song. But to me, that doesn't dampen my enjoyment of it because I think it does a brilliant job of 
of getting into some uh, some really deep discussions about relationships and uh, between men and women specifically, and then also then talking about relationships between fellow women, so friends, sisters, uh-huh. um, and how the desire to be so close to somebody that it almost kind of becomes an obsession and and takes them down a dark path in this desire is done very well in this song. And I, and I really enjoy it for that. And it kind of gives me at times certain elements of the song gives me goosebumps because I think it's so brilliantly written Mm -hmm. and I can't say that about every song on sign of the times. Right. So it does. Yes. I'd say brilliantly written and problematic in plenty of ways too. Yep. It can be both. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Both are, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. No, you can be brilliant and problematic at the same time, for sure. And this is kind of a good example of that. Um, so when I first heard it, uh, just thinking back to, gosh, late 80s, uh, I didn't take away so many of the themes that we're going to probably be talking about today. A lot okay. of them would like have to do with my youth at the time and also not thinking as deeply. But also, quite honestly, not knowing some of the the background behind the or you know the origin mm-hmm. or the genesis of the song not I, I wasn't a tabloid reader i didn't know much about prince's personal life right the air wasn't important to me so to have that additional information in my back pocket now in 2021 it does add a bit more to the song to the understanding of the song understanding where prince is coming from For so sure. i did want to touch a little bit on that before we start getting into the lyrics so uh, it's been widely uh, recognized and kind of acknowledged that this song was written as a sort of response to his girlfriend at the time, Susanna Melvoin's relationship with Prince, but also talking about her relationship to her twin sister, Wendy, of course, of the, the revolution, a member of the revolution at the time in 1986, when yes. Prince would have written the song. And, um, and while it can be applied to a lot of different things, I don't think Prince has ever come out and said it himself, but I think there's enough context clues in here and enough people who were there to kind of identify this song as being a response to that or, or at least influenced by that in some way to uh, the desire to be so close to somebody in a way that maybe twin sisters can only be, or yeah. as he calls it in the song, their girlfriend, which is kind of, the same way of saying, you know, best friend or just friend, mm-hmm. not necessarily girlfriend in a romantic connotation, but yeah, just a female friend who's close. Yes. And that that is also one of the ways that I think the song has been misinterpreted is the use of the word girlfriend, meaning two different things to two different or, you know, can mean multiple things to different people, depending on their perspective. So initially girlfriend a lot of people's first thoughts are going to be romantic, mm-hmm. uh, romantic in nature. And that's ultimately not what is he's talking about in the song. But without really paying attention to the lyrics, uh, you might not get that. And that's right. an important distinction to make in the song mm-hmm. is to know that he's not necessarily talking about he wants to be this woman's romantic interest, his girlfriend, her girlfriend, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I can't imagine trying to compete with the kind of relationship that twin sisters, particularly ones who we know to have been very close, 
how, I mean, it just kind of shows no wonder this relationship didn't work out that he felt such competition with somebody that he really didn't need to feel competitive with. Yeah. But yeah, it's a different, it's a completely different kind of relationship, but it is also a bond that most people cannot come between. Right. Um, I have aunt, I have uh, two aunts, obviously two, if there are twins, I have aunts that are twins. So my, on my dad's side, I have two aunts that are twins and they've always been inseparable. Um, they went to the same college together. They, uh, they didn't, they didn't always live in the same city, but it's because their careers took them in different directions, different paths. But as soon as they retired, they made sure that they lived within, you know, driving, easy driving distance. They're all in the same general vicinity, same Uh metro area of a city. And that was by design. You know, they wanted to be close to each other in their retirement age. And, uh, they've always just been like in tune with each other super super close so i can kind of relate i mean i don't you know they're not it's not me uh, mm-hmm. it's just a family member but still i right. i see that from an outsider's perspective seeing their relationship uh growing up when i would see them and how close they were and like okay i get it i totally mm-hmm. get it you know that these these women are um as close as two siblings can possibly be and as as close as siblings may be, if they aren't twins, twins just have a different, there's just a different dynamic. And, mm-hmm. and I don't want to speak firsthand because I'm not a twin, but any twins out there that feel the same way can probably relate to that, I would imagine. But I would think so. And you have the same sort of perspective, not from a romantic, obviously, direction, but the same sort of outside perspective of seeing your aunts speak so close to one another, but not being a part of that unit. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, yep. you didn't need to break up that unit for any reason, but... <laughs> No, <laughs> no. And that, that is the question that we, you brought it up. It's like, so why does, and we won't have any answers, of course, but no. why Prince feel the need to try to usurp uh, Susanna's relationship? Yeah. Uh, well, and I think, I really think my, my answer to it would be that that's the kind of, relationship that he desired from all of his partners he wanted to be their singular focus and i was gonna save this to the end but it fits here he had this is the kind of relationship he was chasing because it's the kind of relationship he had with music he was looking for the same devotion and understanding that he had of music with a partner Mm. and he was chasing that and you could see it in the if you look at his relationships and how they evolved and how they related to his music and the the kinds of things he wrote about in when he was in different kinds of relationships he was really seeking this same deep level of understanding he had with music as if music were really his ultimate partner who understood him completely but never really required anything of him mm-hmm. he's he's looking for that in a human partner as well a romantic partner he wants the same kind of relationship with music or with a person that he has with the music and it's just and he never quite found it 
how could you? Yeah. Yeah, they they just it isn't the same, and no. um, they're not. It's gonna. It would be a fruitless search forever for him if that's what his goal was, or that you know that was his, um, you know, the way that he was approaching that, and the way that he looked at relationships in the same way he has a relationship with music was doomed to fail. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because yeah, because they're you know, humans and have wants and needs and desires that and, differ from his own. Yeah, and he could master music, and he can't, you know, mastering another person or mastering a relationship is much more difficult. Yes. Um, one thing I just, I mean, I touched on it briefly, but I'll just kind of reiterate. So this was, the song is sung in the in Prince's Camille persona. So, it, and it was one of the songs, unlike You Got the Look, which was the song that came right before this on the Sign of the Times album, if i was your girlfriend was actually intended for the camille album you got the look mm-hmm. never was so that's a distinction to make one there's something in the same voice and and this is side three of the song is on side three if you're looking at it from a vinyl perspective uh, or the beginning of of the second disc and that that suite of songs that you got the look um leads into if i was your girlfriend which leads into strange relationship those are all camille songs even though, again, like I said, you got the look was not intended for the Camille album. They're all sung in the Camille Camille voice. So, mm-hmm. so Camille's is has always been identified. Camille's pronoun has been used in songs as he, if I remember yes. correctly. Yes. But if you didn't know that, the song can be really confusing. Um, so, reality is, it's a man singing in a, a very high pitched kind of. They use the word androgynous voice, an alter ego singing a song about a woman. That, if you start thinking about it too much, it starts getting confusing. But if you're also thinking of it like, oh, Camille must have been a woman, so he's singing in the voice of a woman, singing about wanting to be somebody's girlfriend. Again, that's where I think the whole misinterpretation of it being a desire to be in sort of a, a lesbian relationship has been often. Um, kind of apply to the song and it's not mm-hmm. it's not necessarily correct um, based off of what we know now or you know uh, our ability to look at different lyrics that he's Prince has used with the Camille voice and say no but he used P as a pronoun in the liner notes of the song when he referred to himself as Camille not everybody has that luxury or takes that amount of time to to dissect the um the genesis of the origins of a character that Prince is using. So I get right. it. I get why it was misinterpreted as that mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about the relationship he had with Susanna and how the, the origins could be traced back to his potential jealousy about her closeness with her twin sister, Wendy. We talked about the Camille voice that he uses in the song a bit about its um, place in the Prince singles category how it wasn't really a big hit in the pop charts did okay on the r&b charts and elsewhere in in europe kind of a missed opportunity um and maybe kind of killed a little bit of the momentum of the sign of the times release being that it was like the second single Mm -hmm. right after you know a worldwide smash in sign of the times and so to have a song that kind of bombed from a pop perspective i think kind of hurt the album a little bit but uh, that's just more of a footnote. It's not really relevant to what we're going to be talking about today. So I think if right. you're ready, let's start going through yeah. the lyrics. Let's do it. 
I'm not going to talk too much about the little intro because that's the sound collage that really doesn't have anything to do with <laughs> the songs, um, themes or, or the lyrics at all, but just mention in passing that this is a sound collage that includes different samples that Prince grabbed from various sources of one is like a New York street vendor saying, look at the bargains over here, ladies. Yeah. That actually comes from uh spider D's big apple rapping, which if you've never listened to it, do yourself a favor and go listen to it. Cause it's way fun. It was sampled in that, but the, nobody knows where the original sample came from, but yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like a sample for a sample of a sample potentially. Yes. But it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Sounds yeah. fun. It's, um, but yeah, it, it has nothing to do with the song, right? Look at no, the not really. Not really. I mean, when Josh and I talked about this, he said maybe it's kind of uh, a little quick look at a relationship in a nutshell. Because <laughs> it's got a wedding march in there and, yep. you yep. know, there's music and, the, you know, you might be on a date and walking down the street and somebody else, oh, hey, look over here. Or you might be walking down the street with your girlfriend. Hey, ladies, look at the bargains over here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. you could definitely apply that. I mean. Uh, the Wedding March sound effects come from, or Wedding March sample comes from a sound effects album, too. So mm-hmm. it's not like he hired somebody to come in and play no. that. Or, or he could have just done that himself. I mean, obviously, Prince had the ability to play that himself and just use a live version of it. But nope. Yeah, he chose to sample it. Okay. All right. It was an artistic choice. The whole thing actually was an artistic choice that he kind of made a little bit later because this song did not originally have that opening um, Uh sample collage. So the version that was supposed to be on Camille didn't have that at all. And then he added this after the fact, like in early 87, I believe, when he was already Mm -hmm. had it pared down and was finalizing the track listing for what became Sign of the Times. So. Kind of a late choice, Hmm. late decision. Interesting. first real lyrics uh-huh. of the song go if i was your girlfriend would you remember to tell me all the things you forgot when i was your man hey hey when i was your man she just forgot to tell him stuff she didn't want to like <laughs> have any privacy or keep some things to herself she just forgot to tell him. <laughs> yep that's must it must be it right i mean that's- really <laughs> No, that's that's a that's a good call out because uh, it it does. Yeah. When I was writing like some um, notes about this, but I was thinking of things that she doesn't feel comfortable telling him that she tells her girlfriends, which, you know, he's calling it things that she forgot. But uh-huh. reality, like you said, it's comes across or you could think of it more as things that she, she didn't intentionally tell him because maybe they were none of his business or maybe, you know, like you said, just wanted some things that for herself or just you know some private moments that she didn't feel like she should share with him or needed to share with him 
didn't have anything to do with him, maybe. Or maybe it was stuff that he was telling her about him. Yeah. You know, oh, that, I uh, think it was all about him. He <laughs> wants to know what he was, what she was talking to her girlfriends about, about him. He doesn't yeah. care what she bought at the grocery store or the good deal that she got on the pair of shoes. She wants to know what she's telling her girlfriends about Prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I get from as well. It's really just <laughs> kind of like, hey, uh, any secrets you have, I want to be in on that. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is maybe one way I can do that is now not just be your man, but also be your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and there's later on in the song, we get more of this kind of like things that you would do uh, without me. I want you to do with me, even mm-hmm. if it means that it's about me. And that's yeah. It's yeah, it's all very confusing, but also a little bit troubling too, because it does yeah. come back to the whole controlling nature of, or at least the the desire for control that he seems to be exhibiting throughout this song. Um, but yeah, that's the first verse. It's pretty short, and what he does in this song is he'll sing like a couple of verses back to back before he does the chorus, and the chorus is. Mm-hmm. It's also very simple, also very straightforward. We'll get to yeah. that in a second. Second verse, if I was your best friend, would you let me take care of you and do all the things that only a best friend can? Only best friends can. Mm-hmm. So now he changes it from if I was your girlfriend to if I was your best friend. Yeah. And this one uh, kind of makes me wonder why out loud in this setting, but it, to myself when I'm just listening to it, why does it have to be mutually exclusive? Yeah, I wondered that too. He can't why be does... her best friend and her lover? Yeah, I mean, it does... can happen. And if it's not, okay, but why Why does yeah. it have to be, why does it have to be, in his mind, can't, why can't her boyfriend be her best friend as well? Why is yeah. it not the case in his mind? And it makes me wonder if he's thinking of it as a gender separation that you can, your best friend is going to be of the same gender rather than the opposite gender. Cause you can have like best friends of the opposite gender who are also not your lover, mm-hmm. but it seems to me like he's thinking best girlfriend, your his lover's best friend of the same gender. And he wants that kind of relationship of the closeness that is maybe absent the uh, sexual feelings there. Yeah. You could almost like insert the word girl between best and friend. Uh If I was your best girlfriend. Right. Uh, He doesn't, but one could do that when you're thinking about like the meaning behind the lyric or meaning behind the line. Um, The other thing I was thinking about with that, just around that whole thing that only best friends can, if I was your best friend, maybe there's a a little bit of callback to, you know, youth and childhood for the most part. uh, And it's not always the case. And I'm not trying to stereotype everybody's situation as being identical, but for the most part, our best friends growing up were of the same gender. Right. Um, that's often the case, not always the case, as I said, but often the case. And so you kind of you kind of have those those friends that you rely on to be, you know, your your mates or your buddies or best girlfriends throughout, you know, elementary school, and then it 
then you have your best friends from middle age or middle school age and then high school age and college. Mm -hmm. And they tend more often than not to be of the same gender. Yes. And so it makes me kind of wonder if he's thinking of it like that, like because of, you know, the youthfulness of of him and maybe some of the things he experienced, like his best friends probably were men growing up or boys growing up uh, based off of biographies that we've read and, um, you know, the things that we've heard about his his childhood. That right. seemed to be the case. So he's probably think may or could be thinking of it from that perspective as well. Just thinking back to all of his best friends tend to be men. So he's thinking to himself, well, her best friends are probably men. It wasn't long before this either that there were still a lot of songs that seemed to kind of focus on a high school experience. <laughs> yep. You know, I mean, even when they were in their early 20s, they were still kind of talking about things the way they are in school or you know, I saw them at school or whatever, particularly with the time, not as maybe not as much with Prince, but there there was a lot of that. The time and Vanity Six. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there was it was a lot of high school talk, which squeaked me out a little bit when we were talking about that <laughs> stuff. Because I'm like, y'all are like 25. Well, yeah, <laughs> we're talking about at, high schoolers in a sexual way. It's not appropriate Day. anymore. <laughs> you look at Morris Day and uh, Vanity on stage singing songs and referring to like, or Susan Moonsey talking uh-huh. about with her little teddy teddy bear that she's carrying around. It's like, oh my gosh, they're <laughs> they're they're playing way younger than me too. And this yeah. Is <laughs> so I wonder if maybe that's maybe a little bit of a holdover. Could be to that. It could be, yeah, for sure. It's a little bit of arrested development going on there. Mm-hmm. And the line, um, "Would you let me take care of you?" It it kind of gives off of a bit of a paternal vibe, I guess. You know, coming from a man, and and what that means, and how close. You know, um, I mean, it doesn't have to be paternal. Obviously, it could be a really close person in your relationship can take care of you but just again it begs the question why does that person need taken care of does that person really need taken care of or is it just you projecting this this need to take care of them when they're just like i'm, I'm good thanks yeah I don't really need <laughs> yeah. you to take care of me but okay if you want <laughs> to fair. do something for me feel for feel free but mm-hmm because then if you take care of them, it feels, I think, like maybe to the person doing the caring, uh, one can one one can get out of that as more of a feeling like they need me, you know, like right. they really need me to take care of them, even if they don't. And that has that that kind of theme has come up in uh, film before, I think. Mm-hmm. Good example of, you know, being a horror movie fan. One example I think of is the, the book in the movie Misery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathy Bates takes care of James Kahn's character throughout the film. Right. She has to she has to hobble him herself in order to put him in a situation where he needs her to take care of him, and that's that's a really extreme example. But you know, <laughs> um, you know kind of sometimes if you're thinking of it a little beyond what the the line actually says, you think of it to yourself but take care of you but to what extent you know why why does this person need taken care of right questions not answers of course. yes
so then uh, we get to the chorus or refrain, if I was your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. If I was your girlfriend. So that's it's it's sung the here uh in a lower register, so it's it kind of sounds like it's coming from somebody else. Or at least it's supposed to sound like it's coming from somebody else. If I was your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's really anything more to that other than just a nice way to um kind of mix up or add some different elements to the song, maybe make it sound like it's being sung by multiple voices or yeah. you know, have some background vocals in there that don't sound like they're coming from the Camille persona. But I like it. It's it mm-hmm. it works and it breaks up the verses, which is really what the intention is. Yes. I song agree. isn't about a chorus or a hook, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't need a catchy hook for this song and maybe that's another reason why i didn't succeed quite so well yeah if i was your girlfriend would you let me dress you i mean help me pick out your clothes before we go out not that you're helpless but sometimes sometimes those are the things that being in love's about all right so then we get into the third verse if I was your girlfriend, would you let me dress you? I mean, help you pick out your clothes before we go out. Not that you're helpless, but sometimes, sometimes, those are things that being in love's about. So you he starts off. Again. her autonomy. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you're helpless. Not yeah. that you're helpless. You know, I have to repeat that. Uh-huh. Uh, if I was your girlfriend, though, he starts off this verse with that line again, just to kind of bring it back to like the first verse. And I was racking my brain earlier, and maybe you have the answer. Maybe you don't. It's fine if you don't. But um, hear what he's talking about. Would you let me dress you, help you pick out your clothes before we go? I feel like he's done something like this before, or had done something like this later. I'm sorry, not before. Later in the 90s in a song. But mm-hmm. I might be misremembering. I don't know if you oh, recollect um... any song where he talks about picking clothes out for her to wear or... Gosh, maybe I'm even thinking of a different project entirely. Don't I don't remember, remember specifically. I mean, it seems like the kind of thing that he would always, he really enjoyed fashion and enjoyed that so much. And that was such a big part of his life and his persona, especially since everything was custom made for him because he was small in stature and had such a flamboyant attitude about everything so he you know he just really enjoyed fashion but no i don't remember specifically a song if i think of one i'll tweet at you about it (laughs) thanks and anybody else can do the same uh if you could think of a situation or example where prince sings a line about wanting to pick out clothes for his girlfriend or his lover or whatever mm-hmm. and and dressing her not specifically saying you know let me dress you but i think i feel like the line help you pick out your clothes before we go out feels familiar to me from a different prince song and i just can't put my fingers on it so anyway okay uh the other thing with this one um I'll let you go next, but I think what I want to definitely talk about is the controlling nature just continues to kind of escalate here when he's almost like, okay, so I wanted to control a little bit about your, you know, who you talk to. Uh, I want to want you to need me to take care of you. And now guess what? I'm going to even dress you like it's, it's getting a little heavy now. (laughs) See, and even this part, I was, this part isn't as concerning to me because if he's uh, enjoying spending time 
with women and he has spent time with women before they go out to clubs. He knows that very often that's the part they really like the most is going out together or getting ready to go out. I pink mm-hmm. wrote a song about this. I don't remember what it's called, but she has a whole song about how getting ready to go out is the best part. Hanging get out the, with your girlfriends. Get the party started. Get, yeah. Yes, may I think so. And uh, yeah, getting dressed, putting on your makeup, doing that thing, figuring out, help having them tell you how you look the best and how to accentuate things. That part's the most fun. So if he's seen women do this, he wants to be a part of that fun, Mm -hmm. which that seems less nefarious than what we're about to get to in verse four. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I could I could buy into that. I think it was just kind of like the building up of like uh-huh. receptive for like here's what I wanted to do. I want you to tell me everything, mm-hmm. and you, you're not going to tell these secrets to anybody else. And now here we're going to, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be your caretaker now too. Uh-huh. And now guess what? And now I'm gonna dress you. It's like I think it, it by itself in a vacuum, it's not so not so problematic because mm-hmm. uh, I also wrote notes like, you know, depending on your perspective, this can seem like a really kind of sweet romantic gesture. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and if I, if like my wife wanted to say like, I think you would really look nice in this suit or, you know, put this tie with this jacket. I think you would look really handsome or something like that. I, I wouldn't be like, I'll wear whatever I want. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. I'd like, I would take it as, you know, like a really nice gesture, like flattery. Like she cares enough to want me to look good. Uh-huh. Um, and, and while I, it's harder for men, generally speaking, again, I'm generalizing apologies for that, but a lot of times men aren't as fashion forward uh-huh. <laughs> speaking for myself and Prince was. So for him to take that initiative and, and think like I have enough fashion sense that I feel confident in my suggestions for a woman to wear these clothes and she's not going to look ridiculous because I have a good fashion sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's something unique that he can provide in a relationship that a lot of men probably can't. Yeah. Myself, speaking again for myself, myself included. <laughs> so I often don't tell or suggest clothes to my wife other than just say, oh, that looks really nice. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to necessarily pick things out for her. That's and uh, she's OK with that. <laughs> she's more than OK with that. <laughs> But, you know, so like I said, somebody like Prince can get away with it for sure. Yes. Because I'm sure it'll look good. Verse four, if I was your one and only friend, would you run to me if somebody hurt you, even if that somebody was me? Sometimes I trip on how happy we could be. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so this this verse is, is uh, a really interesting verse. I think this is where I get really, I get really uh conflicted because i love the line would you run to me if somebody hurt you even if that somebody was me it's I love brilliantly that written it's beautiful yes. it's so troubling <laughs> it can be both and 
Wow. One and only friend. Yep. How, like, it's really not good to have your partner be the only person in your life that you can, like, talk to and share stuff with. It's not good relationship behavior. It's not healthy. Not healthy. No. <laughs> it's it's not healthy. More friends are, are better. Not like a plethora of friends that you share everything with, but I mean, a few close friends are better than just one. Oh, yeah, it, it, it is, it is a fine, well, it's not that fine of a line, but I think it's a pretty, it takes a lot. I think it would be a, you would have to have a lot of friends in order for it to become so many that it's taking away time from right. your family and your relationship. Those are choices that you're making. Can't blame the friends. Right. Uh, if you're choosing to like, okay, I'm going to go out with so-and-so tonight. And then tomorrow night I'm going out with this other person. That's your choice. That's not the friend's fault. Or it's not because you have too many friends. It's because you're choosing them over your family or your spouse right. or your significant other. And why you're doing that, you know, that's a deeper question. Mm-hmm. But to say, yeah, if I was your one and only friend is absolutely a problematic line because, you know, it, it does go back to the whole controlling aspect. Like, okay, if I'm the only person in her life, then she has nobody else to turn to, to talk to about me. Uh-huh. She has nobody else to give her advice on what to wear. Uh-huh. She has nobody else to take care of her when she's sick or in, in pain. Uh-huh. I, I'm her one and only. End yeah. of story. And so all these things that I wish I could be as her girlfriend, by default I will be because I'm her one and only friend. Uh-huh. Oh, it's not <laughs> good. <laughs> um, and you know what? There might be somebody out there, and I, I, I really hope there is, that listens to this song, listens to these lines, and doesn't get kind of queasy about it, doesn't think of it that way, and just and maybe they think it's really sweet. Maybe they think the gesture is sweet and they just don't get or feel like it's that um, problematic because it's more of like an idea, not necessarily a reality. Right. And, and an idea in a in maybe a person's mind that's a little bit obsessed, a little bit obsessed, quite a bit obsessed. Uh, and, you know, there's plenty of songs out there that have touched on kind of like romantic obsession. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, one of the biggest hits of the 80s, Every Breath You Take by the Police, yeah. cer- certainly falls into that category. And um, and I think it's just kind of like, in many cases, where the artist writes a song like that, they're trying to, you know, express their art in a way that, and express their feelings about relationships in a way that they know, they have to know, I yeah. hope, that this oh. is not healthy and this isn't good or right, but... Just because, I mean, like you could write a song about anything that's bad, doesn't yeah. make it like that's how I expect my life to be, or this is how I expect relationships to be. It well, is art at the end of the day. You mentioned every breath you take, and Sting said, "I can't believe anybody plays this at their wedding. This is not a wedding song." No, neither is if I was your girlfriend. <laughs> no, play him forever oh. in my life, man. Play him forever in my life or adore. Yes. Don't play. <laughs> yes, <laughs> either one of those <laughs> works way better than if I was your girlfriend. Yeah, um, yeah. Would you run to me if somebody hurt you? Even if that somebody was me, I love that line just like you do. But oh my gosh, this is somebody taking the opportunity to gaslight somebody else. 
I'm going to reframe this narrative. I, I, I respect the idea. I can see how you might read it and say, I want you to come talk to me if you have an issue with me so that I can fix it because talking to your girlfriends isn't going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can appreciate that. That's fair, whatever. But it's also him taking the opportunity to shape the narrative. I hurt you. Let me tell you how I didn't mean to hurt you or why you shouldn't be hurt. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. yeah. when you're the one and only friend, you can't get another perspective mm-hmm. of, you know, your girlfriend can tell you, hey, you know, maybe that's not what he meant. Maybe he's, and she can talk you down without it being manipulative, but this is some manipulation going on here. Sometimes I trip on how happy we could be. Oh, when he's avoided all the conflict. How happy he could be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'd be the one who is happy because it's, he's in complete control of the relationship. Yeah. He assumes that this would also make her happy to not conflict with him, which may be true, but. Oh man. Yep, exactly. And it's just like, it's like a vicious, it's like a vicious circle where, Mm -hmm. you know, he hurts you. She comes back to him to, to deal with it. He talks her down, hurts her again. She gets upset. She runs to him because he's all she's got. And it just keeps repeating itself. And yeah, you're right. It's kind of like a, a, a sick and brilliant way to maintain control in a relationship um, and to frame the narrative, like you said, mm-hmm. gaslight somebody into thinking like they're crazy. Like, well, uh, yeah, no, because he's not ever going to tell her. I screwed girl, up. <laughs> that, that boy is no good for you. You need to get away from him. He is not treating you right. That He's never going to say that because that's the opportunity she could get from somebody outside of the relationship is somebody to say, that's wrong. Don't. No, 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 no. That's not appropriate behavior. You deserve better than that. He's never going to say to her, you deserve better than me because, of course, he thinks he's blameless. Yeah, I mean, honestly... Uh, unless he was wanting to end the relationship, you know, <laughs> right. or anybody, if they want, unless they wanted to end the relationship, would they, would they rarely admit that they need, the person needs to leave them? Right. Even if they're, even if they're in the wrong, it's just, it's just kind of self-preservation, you know, or, right. or self-defense mechanism. Like we're, yeah, we're at fault, but we're ultimately not a bad person. If you stick mm-hmm. with us, we'll, we'll make it up to you. And that's yeah. kind of like the, the abusive relationship, um, the way that those work. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we're on the same page with verse four. It's brilliantly written, and 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 I do appreciate you you bringing up the aspect that one could read this to be like, "Come to me with the problem, and we'll we'll figure it out." But yeah, it's it's hard to just look at it from that angle, though. Well, from what comes before and what comes after. It, you can't, I really don't think that that's um, the interpretation that we should really take from it. Uh, Even if it's the one that Prince meant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unless you have some sort of like Prince rose colored, Prince purple colored, or uh-huh. I guess in this case it would be uh, peach and black colored glasses. Right. So you can only see things 
in a positive light when it came to spirits. But yeah, but yeah. we're we're smart. <laughs> we're smart people. We know we know how to read into things. <laughs> All right. So then he goes into the refrain again. Just if I was your girlfriend, he repeats that, and uh, nothing nothing really to talk about there. But now he mm-hmm. gets into this kind of like the spoken word breakdown part, which is really interesting. Would you let me wash your hair? breakfast sometime well, well, then could we just hang out I mean could we go to a movie because <laughs> to me baby that would be so would you let me wash your hair could I make you breakfast sometime? Then we could just hang out. I mean, could we go to a movie and cry together? Because to me, baby, that would be so fine. Uh, See, and so, this part's so sweet. Yeah, there's nothing There's nothing wrong at all about this. I mean, I no. don't see anything problematic about this. Washing your hair. It, it's what I think is interesting is that he asks kind of a unusual, you know, an unusual thing. Could I wash your hair? Uh-huh. Or, would you let me wash your hair? Um, it's not... Most people would rather just wash their own hair, I think, <laughs> unless you're paying somebody at a salon to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's just me. I'd rather just wash my own hair. I think I'm more efficient at it. And yeah, I mean, if you think of it as a maybe like a foreplay or something like that, or just a, something that you do to be intimate with somebody else. Great. And it's not that it's not problematic at all. It's just a, it's just an interesting kind of odd request. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one, could I make you breakfast time? Well, yeah, go for it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Whip me up some pancakes, Prince. I mean, which know, why, also why, why would she has, object to that? Yeah, well, and it also kind of has this um, connotation of going to make breakfast, so that means you spent the night. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, right. So if you're looking at it just from the standpoint, I want to make you breakfast because I actually want to spend the night with you the right. previous night, makes total sense. But even and that isn't problematic. Problematic. No. no. And hang out and go to a movie and cry together? No, that's totally normal. What I like about that line is that it kind of, you know, it it pokes a bit of a hole in the the antiquated notions of masculinity and that men can't cry, especially cry in front of a woman. Boy, you can't do that. Um, I, I another I, I like tying things back to movies. I remember a scene in the movie Boys in the Hood where Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character, uh, after getting accosted by the police, he goes and meets his girlfriend and he has a complete meltdown and starts crying and uh and he gets all embarrassed later because he cried in front of a female he says uh-huh. and so this is, goes back to this whole like i said antiquated notions of masculinity that men right. can't cry period and especially can't cry in front of women like if you're gonna if you're a man and you're gonna cry you better just do it in yourself in a corner mm-hmm. or somewhere mm-hmm. and so for him to be like if i was your girlfriend though I could feel comfortable crying with you at a movie and I wouldn't feel self-conscious about it or uh-huh. anything because, you know, now I'm your girlfriend. It's, it's yeah. just a different, different mode. So yeah. I, I like that. And that, that's kind of yeah, a me cool too. way to that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's hungering for these simple things. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, moving on then, unless you have anything else you want to talk about with the questions mm-hmm. he asks. The, no, the, the I next verse. Sweet. Yeah, they are. They are. It's it's a nice nice break. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Problematic aspects. 
but then he goes back to verse five, which is really more of just repeating what he said in verse three. Baby, mm-hmm. can I dress you? I mean, help you pick out your clothes before we go out. Listen, girl, I ain't saying you're helpless, but sometimes, sometimes those are the things that being loves about. So sugar. just nothing new. Yeah. And then princey sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, nothing new there. Nothing that we really need to probably right. catch on yeah. again. You know what I'm saying to you this evening? Maybe you think I'm being a little self-centered, but I, I say I, I want to be all of the things you are to me. Surely, surely you can see. Is it really necessary for me to go out of the room just because you want to undress? We don't have to make children to make love. Then he starts going into some different lines, and this is more of like a, a breakdown. He's still kind of saying here, "Do you know what I'm saying to you this evening? Maybe you think I'm being a little self-centered, but I, I said I want to be all the things you are to me. Surely, surely you can see." So, just some more stuff talking about like, uh, you know, what he wants to be for her, like, like he's like he opened his heart to her, and he's hoping that. Uh, she responds uh, in a positive manner. <laughs> maybe, but maybe, maybe you think I'm being a little self-centered. But <laughs> trust, it's not. That's not it. That's not it. Let me tell you how you're wrong about your opinions about me. My troubling behavior is. You're wrong about that. It's not troubling at all. Yeah. His excuse is, "I I want to be all the things you are to me. Surely, surely oh. you can see." And that's why he's being a little bit self-centered. Yeah, but he thinks that she already has all that. And obviously, she doesn't have all that. She doesn't have the kind of relationship with him that he maybe thinks she does. Because she does need to talk to her girlfriend. Either that or he's just like, I don't have anybody else to talk to. So, I don't want you to have anybody else to talk to. Well, I'm sorry. Make some friends. That is that is actually a good point, and it could be uh, again a projection a little bit. Like if not again, Prince. We know Prince had friends, but at the same time, yeah. I think being a superstar is probably can be pretty lonely at times. Oh, who for do, sure. Who do, who do you trust? Who's in yeah. it for the money? Who's in it for the fame? Who's in it for you? And that's uh, you know, it's a very common trope for a lot of celebrities, a lot of musicians, famous people, having like people you can trust is difficult i would imagine mm-hmm. and so this could be a little bit of that like i don't like you said i don't have anybody that i feel this close to and so i'm i'm very jealous right now that you do mm-hmm. and uh i i, I want to change that i want to or you know at least i want to have that kind of relationship you do with your sister if this you know we're taking it to that mm-hmm. using that inspiration as kind of the you know what we're talking about here and because he wasn't really close to his siblings, super close at least, from what we know from his biographies and autobiography, well, the portion of his autobiography that we ended up getting. Uh, I don't get the sense that he and Taika were, you know, um, right. best buds or anything. And then he had half half brothers and sisters, and they were all much older than him. So, you know, he didn't really have that. Right. Didn't really have that. And then all the ones that he was really close with, his brothers from other mothers, like Andre and Morris, Mm-hmm. By 1986, they were all gone. Right. Tough times. That's a shame. Yeah. All right. So then what we get to the very end is this spoken outro. Um, I'm going to read 
all of it and we're not going to necessarily need to like dissect every lyric i think it would just be best after i read it to just kind of point out a few things that we think are important or interesting sure. about this all right so here goes is it really necessary for me to go out of the room just because you want to undress i mean we don't have to make children to make love and we don't have to make love to have an orgasm Your Is what I'm all about. Can I see you? I'll show you. Why not? You can think it's because I'm your friend. I'll do it for you. Of course, I'll undress in front of you. And when I'm naked, what shall I do? How can I make you see that it's cool? Can't you just trust me? If I was your girlfriend, you could. Oh, yeah, I think so. Listen, for you naked, I would dance a ballet. Would that get you off? Then tell me what will. If I was your girlfriend, would you let me? Would you let me see you naked then? Would you let me see you naked then? Would you let me give you a bath? Would you let me tickle you so hard you'd laugh and laugh? And would you, would you let me kiss you there? You know, down there where it counts. I'll do it so good, I swear I'll drink every ounce. And then I'll hold you tight and hold you long. And together we'll stare into silence. And we'll try to imagine what it looks like. Yeah, we'll try to imagine what, what silence looks like. Yeah, we'll try to imagine what silence looks like. Yeah, we'll try. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's hard to read. And it's it's not hard to read because it's difficult like language. It's no. just hard to read because there's so much to unpack there. Thank you. Yeah. Um, wow, you know, and this is another part of the song that gives me chills every time I listen to it because of just the way he just goes overboard like he just is obsessed uh -huh. like it's just i need to know what it is that i can do to make you happy and in this case he's more talking about sexually pleasuring her like right what can i do to please you sexually um and it's just so persistent you know it's like yeah. he's very persistent okay well that doesn't work so what about this well what about this well, what about this how about that i you do know, it just, for you I'm it's like, all about you. That's what he's trying to trying to imply here. But is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what do you, what what do you what lines in in this outro section, Christy? Do you think intrigue you or something you wanted to kind of talk about? Well, the very first one is it really necessary for me to go out of the room just because you want to undress? And I'm like, well, that's her call. She gets to make the choice whether she wants you to be in the room or not. I mean, and maybe, maybe ask yourself if she's uncomfortable to undress when you're in the room, why? I mean, that's, the, that's the thing. Like, why is she uncomfortable to undress in front of you? Is it because you make everything sexual? Is it sometimes you just want to take off your clothes because, you know, your bra is uncomfortable or, you know, something's binding or, you know, and you don't, 
you don't want everything to be made sexual or maybe they're uncomfortable in the way they look for some reason about, you know, they're self-conscious about a certain part of their body. Maybe give her some time. Mm -hmm. Maybe don't make a lewd comment every time she takes off, you know, her skirt or whatever. (laughs) So these are valid questions, valid questions, because yeah, I think to your point, it's, there's gotta be some reason behind that because, well, I mean, we don't know in this song, we don't know how intimate they've been. Right. I mean, we, we know how intimate, like, you know, if you're in a relationship with somebody for a year plus, like he had been with Susanna, uh, and they were living together before right. they finally broke up. I'm sure it wasn't like that, but maybe, um, maybe this is, there's some truth behind this. Maybe it was more like at the beginning of a relationship when he's kind of wondering, like, if, cause he's very open and comfortable with his body. Um, yes. He's been that way since day one showing up on his album covers <laughs> naked uh, uh-huh. riding, riding a pegasus or having a guitar uh, strategically placed over his crotch i mean that's uh-huh. never it's never been an issue with prince but uh, yeah not everybody on snl and a g-string exactly not, not everybody is like that not everybody mm-hmm. has that level of comfort in their skin in their body and so um well, particularly you know, not women Particularly not in the 80s. You know, I don't know. It just seems like a level of uh, understanding that he doesn't have there, which Mm -hmm. is a shame. Yeah, I mean, his very next album cover is butt naked, so. Yes. (laughs) It's a thing. Um, All right, anything else? What other lines do you... Um, Can't you just trust me? Kind of goes hand in hand with that. And I'm like, "Mm, earn it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, what I like about this, or one thing I wanted to call, I don't know if I like it or not, it doesn't really matter. But the line, we don't have to make children to make love, and we don't have to make love to have an orgasm. I can't hear, we don't have to make children to make love without thinking of erotic city. Oh, uh huh. If if we can uh, make babies, maybe we can make make some time. time. So it's kind of, it's a little bit like that, like, hey, you know what, we don't have to have sex to reproduce we can just do it for fun uh-huh uh, so let's let's do it uh yeah <laughs> don't, don't have to worry about the repercussions of child rearing right um and then of course you know you don't have to make love to have an orgasm is is like kind of like a lead-in line to the lines later about him really wanting to perform oral sex on her mm-hmm. uh, and then so he's kind of thinking to himself or expressing here like I can please you. We don't even have to like have traditional penetrative sex. We can, we can have, you can have an orgasm. Right. And it, we don't even have to have sex that could produce a child. Like mm-hmm. we don't, we don't have to do that. I can make you feel good a lot of different ways. Right. Let me tell, let me show you. And that's what he's trying to say here with the next few lines. Your body's what I'm all about. Another mm-hmm. common Prince trope is uh, his desire to please his, his lovers, his girlfriends. Yeah. His, um, partners and really focusing and honing in on that. And he does that very strongly in this. And again, it's like, it's all about you. And if I was on the receiving end of these lines, I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> uh-huh. whoa, 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 slow your roll, buddy. <laughs> this is, this is, a, this is a lot. Is uh-huh. a lot. I get you excited. I get you want to please me. I get that. But um, this is a lot. Let me, let me, take in a few of these things first and I'll let me tell you how I how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. And it makes me wonder is he withholding this until he 
gets the sort of relationship that he believes he wants. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So, I, of I don't know. You yeah, know, maybe right. if, you know, I'm only going to do this if I get what I want from the relationship. Like, oh, well, you know, that's, yeah. maybe if you do those things, those other things will be more available to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really all about him wanting her to be comfortable. Right. But he's not really giving her the time to become comfortable. Yes. So, like, he wants to get really intimate with her. Like, he talks about it in pretty graphic detail later. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, that, that requires some comfort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he, he just wants to go from zero to ten, in the, at least in this section, you know, in, within minutes or seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, not really spending the time to allow her to be, get on his level of comfort. Right. He's there. He expects her to be there as well. And and he's hoping that if he was if he was her girlfriend, she would be already there. She would already be at a 10 with him. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what I'm getting out of this. And yeah. the line, listen for you, I would dance a ballet. It's very poetic and uh, it's it's very interesting visual. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think uh, Susanna was uh, she'd studied ballet when she was young. So. Yeah. This is maybe a reference specifically to her about how that's something he knows she has an interest in. Yeah, because, again, it's all about her. Right. In these lines, it's all about her. So, yeah, he's not going to hear, let me play electric guitar for you. Right. No, let me me do something for you that I think is your your primary interests or something that's out of my comfort zone. Uh-huh. I assume Prince dancing a ballet naked is not something he's really comfortable doing. I don't right. know. Maybe he is, but <laughs> in 1986, maybe he was. I don't know. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't get that impression. So this is kind of like, I'll do this crazy thing for you mm-hmm. if it uh, if that'll get you off. Because that's what he says right at that. Would that get you off? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Would, t- it make, would it make me smile? At least she says no, because then tell me what will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You're kind of getting, you kind of can fill in the blanks of the conversation based off of what um, the lines he's saying, you know, uh-huh. if that won't get you off, then tell me what will. Uh-huh. Would you tell, would you tell me, would you let me see you naked? Let me give you a bath. Uh-huh. Tickle you so hard you'd laugh and laugh. Yeah. So that goes just, back to the like stereotypical girls having sleepovers and tickling each other and, you know, pillow fights in their underwear and mm-hmm. exactly. So, yeah. Uh, then we get to the end. Then these last lines about the together, we're, we'll stare in silence. I'll hold you tight, hold you long. And together we'll stare in silence and try to imagine what it looks like. Try to imagine what silence looks like. Uh, brilliant again. Brilliant yeah. lines. Um, From somebody who makes sound for a living. He wants mm-hmm. to know what silence looks like. That makes it so intimate that silence is something that he craves. And he really wants to experience that with his partner. So much so that he's like striving for it as a, like a goal. Right stare into like this is the last lines of the song so this is seriously something he wants us to take away as the listeners this is a goal 
relationship goals, like being able to be so comfortable with your partner that you can just hold each other and stare silently, mm-hmm. stare off into the, you know, the distance silently. And you know, it does take a level of comfort with somebody to feel like that's okay. Like you don't have to break the silence with inane chatter or whatever, just to have that moment of silence with your, with your partner is, is a nice thing. Cause you don't, you yeah. don't feel like you have to just constantly talk. Like, it's been a long time since I've been on a first date, but I uh-huh. do remember I do remember them, and they were yeah. awkward um, because you know sitting there in silence with a first date that's not so cool. You know that's that's a quick way to uh, not get that second date is to sit right. there silently and stare out in the distance with them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not what they're looking for at that stage in the relationship, uh, and to be to get to that level does imply that there is that closeness that he's striving for throughout this song yeah well and to understand silence you also have to understand loud and it seems like they've got the loud part of their relationship figured out like arguing or love making or you know the talking all night all of that stuff they've got that part figured out they've done that that's the early part of the relationship now he's wanting this silence and it takes time to get to that part Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. that's really kind of what i take away from it i i i saw i started thinking even more darker thoughts about this like you can almost think of it as like if you're in a situation you're a woman let's say hypothetically in a relationship that is a bit um difficult or uh maybe not physically abusive but emotionally abusive Mm -hmm. that kind of silence is is a problem because you can't you don't feel like you can get out of it and so you're kind of resigned to staying in a a relationship you don't want to be in anymore and and you kind of see those broken women in in these bad relationships Mm -hmm. uh and and the kind of silence that that their silence is almost like a resi- of resignation of just like, I give up. Right. Uh, I'm no longer going to fight with you. I'm no longer going to um, express my displeasure in this situation. I'm just going to take it and be silent and yeah. hope to God it ends sooner rather than later. Oh. And that's, a, and that's a pretty dark turn. Yeah. I don't, and I don't think that that's what we're supposed to be taking from it. But when you sit with a line, like, we'll try to imagine what silence looks like. And you're just, you have the visual of the two of them holding each other in silence uh-huh. after everything that we've just been given in the song. Uh, hmm. Sometimes you can think of it that way. Yeah. I don't like to think of it that way though. So no, I don't but either. I, do but it's, it I hadn't, uh, I hadn't considered it that way. Yeah. Hmm. And I don't, I don't want to dampen anybody's enthusiasm no. for this song by, by painting it to be like, it's so um, it's it's so abusive that you know she's silent because she feels like she has no other choice, right? Other than to be silent with Prince in this song. I don't want that because I still love this song a lot. Yes, and I, and I think it's a brilliant song musically, but primarily the lyrics. And even though it's delivered in a, or even though the theme is problematic, he does it very, very, very well. 
Yes, exactly. And Scary. it's kind of a, almost a abuser's perspective. Can't almost. Be, I mean, but in, not in a nefarious way. Yeah, not in a way I think is intentional. It just comes no. across like that because of just the intensity that he puts into it and the lines. He uh-huh. could have toned it. He could have toned it down a bit in certain aspects of it, and probably would have a completely, or at least a much lesser, problematic tone. But mm-hmm. uh, he didn't. And this is the song we're given, and so this is the song that we have to unpack here. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean. Wow, it's a trip. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. this is not music. This is a trip. Yeah, I don't like listening to this song uh, in the car with people around me because. Oh no! Because uh, and not because uh, I think like they're going to think anything of it. It's because they're not listening to it, and I want them to because I think it's so fucking brilliant uh-huh. that I want them to pay attention to the lyrics, and I know that there nobody is. All they hear is, "If I was your girlfriend." Uh-huh. And that's all they hear, and that's all they pay attention to, and they don't really get how the rest of how the song is presented to. And and I want like the the dissection that we did today, Christy. I I want people who listen to the song to to have that kind of reaction. So I want people to come to their own conclusions about what they think the song's about, or if they think it's problematic, or if they just think it's like eh, you know. It's yeah, no, he just wants to be really romantic with her. And it, there's certainly a way to listen to the song and read it as that, as he just wants to be so close to her in a way that he's not yet. Yeah, but that, that's a really kind of simple, straightforward way of thinking about the song, where you can just look past a lot right. of the other stuff. If that's and I always wonder just a little bit if that's what he meant when he wrote it. If you know, did he write it from that perspective and not realize quite how problematic it was? Because if you look at the way his relationships played out from Susanna onward, maybe he didn't really get it when he wrote the song. Part of me thinks that that's the case. I mean, yeah, we'll never, me too. We'll never know, but part of me thinks that he intended it to be kind of a really um, sincere desire for closeness to somebody that he felt mm-hmm. like he could never get as close as he wanted to be. Right. And that, fr- and that frustrated him. And this was the result of that. Yeah. Uh, and, and it didn't, it was, it was unintentional maybe on his part. That's what I'd like to believe. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of oh, the no. impression that I get really is that he yeah. didn't realize that, okay, what he really wants out of a relationship is n- not, healthy relationship behavior <laughs> it's unrealistic yeah yeah because if because if you get what you want in that situation it's i think it's uh it's going to be doomed yeah so be, well be and careful he's what not you wish be for. nearly as happy as he thinks it's going to be it's not the the happy situation that he's going to want yeah so him tripping him tripping on how happy <laughs> they could be i think would end up uh that will be short-lived yeah, that, that trip that he's on. <laughs> that, yeah, yes, that happy trip. I'm sure lived. Okay. Uh, wow. So yeah, big yeah. song, big important song. It yeah. has like in capital letters, big important print song. <laughs> that, this song has that written all over it. Um, 
and it's and I think it's a big important Prince song that a lot of people don't really know as much about. Yeah, as other big important Prince songs like Purple Rain or Little Red Corvette or whatever. I think right. this song is up there with the rest of them, and it just so happened that it wasn't a worldwide smash. Right. That's the only, that's the only difference. Yeah, that's fair. Any final thoughts on your side, Christy? Nope, I don't think so. I just, I'm sorry, he never found what he was looking for. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. Uh, Especially didn't with Susanna, because they broke up, like, months after, like, a month or two after the song was recorded. Yeah, a hot minute later. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't last much longer. I mean, yeah, of course, we don't know exactly when he wrote it. I say this all the time. All we know is when he recorded it. Right. recorded it in early November, and... By the end of 86, they were done. So, yeah, less than a month. Okay. Well, where can people find you and your podcast? Sure. You can find us on Facebook, the Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T M A T S podcast, or you can send us an email, TMATSpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from people. Please do give us a like and a follow. I uh, share lots of Prince music. Anything that we're talking about, I try and share lyrics and a link to the music. So if it's something you haven't heard before, which Josh is really good about finding little uh, hidden gems, and I am pretty good about finding them on the internet to share them with you, you know, it's a fun follow, I think. So mm-hmm. Agreed. Definitely. And I always enjoy your podcast. So if you, if you listen to my show, uh, definitely listen to, to Christy's show, especially with the Sign of the Times stuff, if you're really a big fan of that, because they went in to a super deep dive on Sign of the Times. And so, I mean, yeah. we covered it for like a year. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Jason, do not invite me on a Sign of the Times episode. I can't take oh, any more no, Sign of the Times. I, no, I, I, I mean, but that's the beauty of Sign of the Times is you don't get used to it. And then there's, you know, all of that huge depth of unreleased material. What a treasure Super Deluxe was. Yeah, I mean, it's a beast, though. It was a beast. It was a beast, but I mean, it's hard to not be excited to not talk complaining because <laughs> it's so great. Not complaining. Yeah. Yeah. More, more, more. Okay. Yeah. So listen to uh, Christie's podcast. Check her out on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and for the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics podcast, I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can find the show at Press Rewind Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. I've also started throwing episodes up on YouTube with the music scrubbed out. So, you know, it's YouTube, so you got to do what you got to do. But um, if you really like that avenue, my episodes will be on there. I'm a little behind getting episodes up there. I'm only up to the Purple Rain era now on getting episodes on YouTube. But I also like, like Christy, I like to share stuff that I come across. And sometimes I have some hidden gems that uh, maybe the estate doesn't know about. I I like sharing what I can because you know I'm a giving soul Uh, (laughs) that you uh, are friend that you are thank you thank you and uh, if you listen to the show uh, using Apple that's you know a huge piece of that is the ratings and reviews so if you like the show obviously if you don't you know do what you have Move to do. Along. <laughs> if you like the show, a rating and review would be appreciated because that does really count big for Apple. And until next time, thank you very much and goodbye. Yeah. We'll try to imagine what, what silence looks like. 
Yeah, well, I'm trying to imagine what silence looks like. <laughs> <laughs>